0: It's basketball season and we've got you covered. The Ringer NBA show breaks down the latest and greatest around the league five days a week. Check out the Ringer NBA show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode of the Bill Simmons podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened? Your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it. All right. The trade deadline podcast, part four. We've done three parts already. It is now 1254 Pacific time, 354 East coast time. Ryan Rosillo is still here. We might go all day. We might do 24 hours. Jackie McMullen is joining us. The hall of famer. Um, Kyle Lowry was not traded. Jackie, Mm, what happened? What happened?
1: Well, it's funny. I was talking to someone in the Raptors organization a few days ago. And there was sort of this sense, if you look back on that great championship season, the next year, uh, Kawhi Leonard walks for nothing. Danny Green goes for nothing, right? Them Gasol and Serge Ibaka leave for nothing. And I think it just, maybe it's just like, okay, we're all right with Kyle staying here. He's okay. More, More importantly, like if Kyle was like, get me out of here, man, this is a sinking ship. I think the results would have been different perhaps. And I think he was like, I'm okay with being here. You know, his bird rights don't kick in till the summer. You, you can't extend him till the summer. So if you traded for him, you were interested in his bird rights. Much harder now to sign Kyle Lowry as a free agent because he no longer has his bird rights. So for people that most people on, I don't need to explain this on your podcast, right? Everyone knows what that means for yeah. the most part. No, it's helpful though. Yeah. Okay. So what it means is that um, if you had him, if you traded him at the deadline and you wanted to extend him, you had his bird rights. You could go over the cap. You didn't have to worry about it. Now, if you sign him, you have to be able to fit him. And it's, it's, it's more difficult for teams. So I think in the end, they probably just were like, how much of this can we ask our fans to understand? He's so good with the younger guys. And, you know, let's face it, Siakam and Nick Nurse, they got a little thing going on right now. There's a little back and forth. Kyle Lowry, I think, is a great buffer for that. You know, maybe he rides you through that rough time because Siakam's a part of the future.
0: Rosillo's favorite NBA feud right now is Siakam versus Nick Nurse. He's on all the blogs, all the, all the feud blogs, <laughs> just monitoring. Well, monitoring who do you, who do you
1: like? Who do you like, Ryan? Which guy?
2: Uh, I, Siakam was totally out of line. And so <laughs> yes. anybody, that, anybody that knows what happened, and I'm not going to say what happened because I'm just not a reporter, but uh, he was totally out of line with what he did. And the player always wins even when it's somebody as, as special as Nick Nurse. I mean, every yeah. single time. I, I mean, we had Vucevic on, and I was asking about defenses, and he just brings up Toronto. You know, I mean, it just right. happens all the time. Like, what they do. Mm-hmm. Remember with J.J. Redick, going like, hey, what right. am, like? who stands out? He goes, oh, man, he goes, the way they chase and contest and keep chasing. He goes, dude, Nick Nurse. Right. So everybody raves about this guy. So I, I don't know. If it was just a slip up with Siakam or if it's something that's that's bigger, but it was a bad slip up and maybe it's not that big of a deal. You know, maybe down the road, it's not a big of a deal. But Lowry loving being in Toronto. I think, Jackie, you're right about it. I mean, I don't know that it's a I mean, I mean, it feels like a complete rebuild. But I think the bigger issue is, you you know, I was reading stuff in Toronto this morning, right? And it's, mm-hmm. I think Toronto gets really sensitive about anything that's, I mean, honestly, it gets sensitive about shit that it doesn't even make any sense to me. You know, like when you'll be like, yeah, you know, if those guys hadn't got hurt, and it's like, what are you talking about? Like, well, Kevin Durant and Clay Thompson got hurt. That's not a crazy right. thought to think that that helped you win a title. Or yeah. whenever you talk about anybody being potentially traded, it's like, no, that's not really happening. So the Lowry one was funny because I was reading a piece this morning in Toronto that said, that only in the last two days has Toronto decided that maybe they would trade Lowry. Like that's not just, that's just not how the job works. Like those guys are having these conversations all season long. So I really think it comes down to the 30 million. And once George Hill ended up on the Sixers and Daryl didn't want to move a bunch of pieces in it for a rental with Lowry, that he just became a harder guy to trade, but it doesn't change necessarily the philosophy of what the Raptors are trying to do.
1: Right. But don't you think that Daryl Morey grabbed George Hill because he thought the Kyle Lowry thing was going nowhere. I think that happened first. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well,
0: so. we talked about this on uh, part 17 of this podcast. <laughs> it, it just makes way more sense to get George Hill for nothing than it does to trade Danny Green and Maxi and a first round pick and whatever else you had to throw in for Lowry, where I think Hill is additive. And I like the team that they have. I think they have a chance to win the East. You know, if I just, Embiid is I just, healthy.
1: I just love Lowry. I, I do too. You know, at, at that finals that you're referring to, Ryan, with the Warriors, that you just, and, and the year before, like, and I remember being there, I was doing, um, you know, it was when I was doing my mental health series. I was in Toronto. So I was interviewing DeMar DeRozan, who was being pretty open at that time. So I, I, I was talking to Kyle Irie, and I'm like, hey, you must have had, everybody has some mental health challenges along the way, right? So you, you're, you're no different. He's like, yes, I am. And he is different. You know, he went nuts on me, like, how dare you suggest? And I wasn't suggesting anything, you know, but he his, he's different. I just think there's a group of guys that are different. And he's he's not only different because of what he does in the locker room and what he brings and this never say die, which sounds so trite, but it's it's real with him. And the grittiness is real. And by the way, the talent is real. Now, I I looked him up because I've always thought of him as a guy that just drives you crazy on defense. You're just hoping someone else will guard you. I looked at his numbers this season. They're not good, but their team's not good. They have no big men. You know, that was a huge blow to lose both of their bigs. So I think defensive numbers are always tricky to put your hat on them because so many other variables matter. So I'm going to disagree with you. I, I think you put Kyle Lowry on the Sixers. And, and, I, and yes, you might sacrifice a great young player, but what the heck? When's the last time the Sixers won a championship, Bill? You know the answer.
0: So you're saying if it was
1: Maxie, Danny
0: Green, so now I'm also missing a wing now. Um, well, are you first sure Danny pick,
1: Green you're sure that's what it had to be? That's what I don't know that. It had to be. Well,
0: just from a salary standpoint, I think I think yeah. Danny Green had to be in it. Cause we were talking right. earlier, the problem with Lowry is the thirty million right. you get within twenty six yeah. of it or whatever it is. And it's just these contenders right. had so much trouble doing it.
1: I mean, and I know he's 35 or six or whatever he is. I just, I just know what that guy does in a locker room, what he does on a team, what he does for a coach, you know, Nick nurse and Kyle Lowry were never going at it like that. If they were, it was all positive energy. Right. So I'm just a huge Kyle Lowry fan.
0: We are. And I think, I
1: think he, I think he, he makes you, he doesn't just help you win a lot. He's the, he could be the difference in winning a championship. I believe that.
0: Rusillo, the honeymoon period for Daryl Morey. If they lose to Brooklyn, followed by a summer of, why didn't we get James Harden? Why didn't we get Kyle Lowry? That's now in play. Yeah, we both know. I think
2: Jackie knows maybe better than both of us. Um, the Harden part is is never going to be on Daryl. I, I don't think that, I think it was Fair, beyond right? Daryl's control. But you can't tell
0: irrational fans that, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> like, it's why, silly. why didn't we get Harden? <laughs>
2: I get everything you're saying about Lowry there. I, I get it. But I guess I'm not convinced. And you know what? Here's the thing. I don't know the answer. Is Lowry the difference to get you past the Nets? Because as great as the Nets thing is, I got to know. All right. Say everybody's healthy. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. For me to suggest what am I who which Kyrie am I getting is not an unfair question as we're now on the great. second time that he's decided that I'm going to step away from the team. Okay. Um, and my theory he healthy right and my theory of regular season basketball kind of hitting some real weird roadblocks in the playoffs now because we have these systems and the shooting and all the stuff that we've seen hasn't worked all the time unless you're also playing consistent defense so i I think there's i'm i'm open to the idea that either philadelphia can still beat the nets without lowry or that they you know maybe you don't have a chance and Lowry is gonna make any of the difference so I, i don't know i wish i had a definitive answer for you on that one i just don't know I wonder,
0: do you think, Jackie, if Embiid hadn't gotten hurt, was 100% kicking ass, there's a little more urgency to do a trade like that?
1: Fair question. Uh, I, I think just knowing Daryl, knowing his personality, there's always urgency to make the best and the biggest deal. That's just who Daryl Morey is. And interestingly, it's a little bit who Doc Rivers is. And, you know, Maxie, it's interesting. Thibel and Maxie haven't found their footing with Doc Rivers. We can... Uh, I think it's fair to say there's somewhat of a pattern there. You know, (laughs) yes, it takes a while for young players to impress doc rivers and Kyle Lowry. You know that Kyle Lowry had doc at hello. You know, he did.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Well, I think, uh, by Philly not doing anything other than the George Hill thing, they dip their foot in the water, but you know, they're also saying like, eh, if Embiid's not one hundred percent, or if Brooklyn is just going to continue to kick everybody's ass, maybe we were a year away anyway. We'll see. By the way, um, their defensive numbers this month, even without Embiid playing for the full month, very good. They're
2: like seven points better than every other, yeah. the second very, best very team. Good. So, you know, maybe they looked at it going. Maybe we like our our guard rotation. I still think it's a thirty million. I, still, I it's such yeah, a challenging number I to agree. get to. It is. It's not even about that. Lowry, the player, what he may or may not bring. It's just how much can we really change for contenders to go? We have to move out within that much money. Do we really want to shake things up that much? So I, Toronto, I was, say,
1: I, I was just gonna say, I do like George Hill with them. I don't want to it's not my intent to dis George Hill. He's you know he's a consolation prize though in my mind. Fair. But it's a good consolation prize, but you know it's not the convertible. It's the uh, you know it's the minivan maybe I don't know.
0: So Toronto is eighteen and twenty six. They are now the eleven seed, but mm. um they're only three games behind the eight seed, the Celtics. They're only four games behind the five seed, the Miami Heat. Um, they've kind of had the year from hell. They've been playing in Tampa. Oh, there's their big guys have been just bad. And I I think if you're going to make the case, they're not going to turn it around. The case would be. Tampa crossed with, they don't have the big guys. They just don't have the defensive infrastructure anymore. Maybe you write the season off. On the other hand, it is Toronto. They have one of the best five coaches. They have the Larry Van Vliet thing. They yeah. shook it up a little bit with this Trent Powell trade, which I think ultimately might be a good thing for them. And if they get Siakam going and they win some games, and I guess what I'm trying to figure out is 10 teams can go, six guaranteed playoff seeds, and then seven eight nine ten 10, we have the play in. So if you had to pick which one's not even going to make the plan out of all those, I'll just list down from four Charlotte, Miami, the Knicks, Hawks, Celtics, Pacers, Bulls, Raptors. One of those teams will not even make the play-in game.
1: Well, Charlotte every- doesn't have ball. Charlotte doesn't have ball.
0: Charlotte's 22 and 21 though.
1: Yeah, but they don't have ball and that's going to catch up to them. He's been, he was spectacular. I loved him. It was so much fun to watch. So much fun. they are still a fun team. they are still a fun team. They still have good players, but that's a that's a blow that you don't recover from in the short term. I don't believe.
2: Can I make a uh, counter? I just I'm gonna zag. Of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: gonna. I think we By both zag
2: a little yeah. more. Yeah.
1: Zag, go. Little He's more. He's been
2: incredible. He's been incredible, and and Borrego for the most part. If you've been looking at it, he he sits. Lamelo when these games are in the balance and they they won a close game again this week and then they you know look everybody beats the Rockets. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not telling you they're better without Lamelo. I will rephrase that. I said it earlier with with Bill, but there's a weird thing going on where he wasn't in the end of some of these close games that they've been really good in.
0: So my, my point on that was I liked how I liked how they always had good guards out and lo- not having Lamelo anymore compromises that. But I do think they mm-hmm. mock will play more. Devonte yeah, Graham will play more. My guy yeah, Monk, he,
1: I know, and
0: I, I do think they can try to patch it together. So Maybe. I would say out of all of these teams, um, because Indiana got Lavert back, and I just feel like they have to be taken a little bit more seriously. I would yeah, say but they're, they're
1: scuffling though. They're scuffling. Indiana. You're right, Jackie. St- they're they've scuffling.
0: been they've been a mess, kind of.
1: Yeah, they just, you know, there's something not right there.
2: Here, I'll offer it up. It's nice they got Lavert back, but. Levert's doing his own thing and so mm. you take this team and they were struggling before they got Lavert back I mean at one point I felt yeah. like the Pacers are the most overlooked team in the east and then they go through this brutal stretch and now Braga's trying to figure out where he's going Sabonis yeah. is looking at it I mean to pencil in Karis Levert for 15-18 shots a game and disrupt a team that probably kind of knew who they were it's mm-hmm. great to add that talent but you can see there's some offensive growing pains figuring out how this is going to work
0: now and TJ Warren fun. coming back too I would say my the Knicks are my number one candidate to fall out and I would have the Pacers second and I would have Toronto third. I actually think, I just feel like Toronto, you can't underestimate even what we saw last year in that Celtics series when they're outmanned and they just fought and fought and fought and fought. Yeah, they do. I don't see that team rolling over if they're a couple games out with four weeks left. I think they're,
1: they'll well, keep rem- fighting. Just remember, not all of that team is still here. That's all. That True. team you're talking about. True. What about your Boston Celtics? So you you you've decided that Evan Fournier solved everything, and they're going to be the fourth <laughs> seed.
0: Yeah, we're good. <laughs> I think Fournier. We you missed it in part two. We were comparing him to Larry Bird and uh, oh, Bob Cousy God. and some okay, of the great Celtics. There you go. There now you I, go. Think, I think better They are a little bit. They are a little bit better. They're going to miss Tice though a little bit. They
1: are. So that that you know that came in late, and I was hoping if they were going to do this deal. You know, Gordon, I get it. Like 48, good free throw shooter. Having a career year shooting in the high 30s, three-point shooting. I think another guy that if you put him in a new system, his defensive numbers have dropped every year. He had two years ago, he's a much better defensive player. I think you can he can be a guy that can get into guys on the wing in a in a good system, which I, I'd like to think Brad Stevens has, but the thing that's disappointed me most about Boston all year has been their defense, so I'm confused by that. But clearly the... The Tice thing was very simple. It was, we don't want to be in the tax. And I, I man, I think they're going to rue that one. I mean, I, I, I'm i sure they were trying to move, I'd like to think they were trying to move Tristan Thompson instead, right? We've got to assume that, don't we? Yes. I yeah, we
2: I just don't know who would want him if they watch him this year at $10 million
1: right, next year. You know, 100%, right, 100%. Right, so, you know, because I kind I of, I could get into Tice and Robert Williams as your tandem with, you know, but I, I think they're going to miss Tice more than, well, I, I know that I'm sure they didn't want to do it. It's money. It's, it's the tax, it's the tax uh, structure. That's what it is. You know, I don't like it, that move. Don't like it's, it.
0: It's funny. It goes back to last summer when they have the 30th pick and they don't really want to make it and they want to create cap space. Cause I think they think they're going to get Tristan Thompson. And by the way, I was on board with Tristan Thompson. I thought he'd be really good for them. He has not been good, but they trade Cantor and they trade the 30th pick. For two second round picks, which gives them the ability to sign Thompson. But now yeah. they go get Fournier with those two second round picks, basically. But now they also have to sacrifice Tice.
1: Yeah, it's a big And the, I guess
0: the case could be you could have had Kaner and Tice and Fournier potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if that played out the right way. I do think it's a big bet on Robert Williams, which... Um, well, it's time, it, right? It's, it's time. time. So, and that's the thing. When you have Tice, we were talking about this in the last part. Stevens is going to play Tice. Like he's going to play Jeff Teague. He's, if he has yeah. these guys, he's ultimately is a competitive guy. He can't help himself. And now you're removing those two options, which almost seems to be by design.
1: Would be Could my be. guess. Yeah. That's uh, probably not the worst way to go, I guess. But yeah, but I, I guess... think the Fournier
0: thing really helps them though. Just cause, cause how bad their backup swings were. And now they have a confident right. backup swing. So it has to make them better.
1: That's to make them better, but does it get to the root of the issue? Which What's is the root this, of the issue? The root of the issue for me is just again watching that game, and I watched the game last night, and they come back from twenty-five down. Is there's just a a disconnect with that team, and it's funny. I kept thinking, you know, who they need? They need Kyle Lowry. <laughs> I hate to harp on Kyle Lowry, but that's what the kind of guy they need. Someone in your face, in these young guys' faces, that they respect. That's saying. Hey, it's not this simple. It's not supposed to be simple. Find a way to share the ball. Find a way to play together. Stop yelling at the refs. Get your rear end back on defense. Come on, man. In other words, so Kemba Walker, who doesn't love Kemba Walker? He's the sweetest, kindest, nicest, professional, maybe in all of sports, respectful to us, respectful to his teammates. But how about a nasty Kemba Walker? Wouldn't that be great? Like a Kemba Walker that grew little devil horns. That's what the Celtics need. That's they, not know, smart.
0: They, Isn't that supposed to be smart? I thought that was smart, part of but, the package with him.
1: Yeah, but smart is a separate, he's not, I'm talking about a, a really high level player with a high level. And, and, I, and again, I don't want to disparage Marcus Smart because, you know, we've, we've talked about him a thousand times, but I'm talking about someone super, you know, that's been an all-star that could, that could fill, fill it up 20, 25 points a game, but has an edge. And I, I think they, the root of it with the Celtics is what is their identity? Where does their edge come from? Because it can't, it can't just be Marcus smart. That doesn't work.
0: Yeah. We talked Sunday night, we were talking, I was saying, I just thought they were soft and I don't like the word soft necessarily with players. But I think when you can talk about a team's identity, it's like, are you a finesse team? When you get punched in the mouth, do you punch back? Are you, are you the ones committing the borderline fouls? Are you the ones complaining to the refs that you're being fouled? Um, when there well, are collisions, about, are you the ones going into the basket support? There's, I think that's been part of their identity is they just get knocked around and it's well, visible well, every game.
1: Okay. But how about this? How about, are you the guy when you miss five shots in a row and you're one of the most talented offensive players in the league, you kind of like just throw your hands up and stop guarding your guy. Cause that's yeah. what Jason Tatum did for strengths of that game last night. And I'm watching him and I know he could be a lockdown defender. I mean, I interviewed Popovich about it. He's like, that kid could be Paul George. He could be a two-way player of that caliber. But hopefully if you not get, that. Well, OK, <laughs> fair enough. But if you get frustrated um, because your shots aren't falling and you kind of, you know, throw up your, you know, the, the shoulder slumping and you don't have the same intensity on defense. That's a problem for me. It should be a problem for everybody. And, you know, great, good players when, they're not, when they don't have it going offensively, they get a steal defensively. They make a play. They get it. That's how they get themselves back into the game. They go to the free throw line. And that's the other thing. I'm hoping, I looked it up, Evan Fournier, um, career, or maybe this year, I'm not sure which, averaging 4.8 free throws attempts a game. Not a huge number, but my goodness, the Celtics are a disaster <laughs> right. in that regard too. And he's an 80% free throw shooter. So if nothing else, maybe he can get to the line a little bit.
0: Yeah, it's the rare team that can't get to the line and doesn't shoot a shitload of threes, which is not where you want to be in today's NBA, Rasilla. No, and on on top of that, they don't defend. They're
2: the second worst defensive team this month. Yeah, and that's the part I don't
1: understand, Ryan. Explain. Doesn't make
2: any. It doesn't make any sense to me. I I think at their point of attack, they're incredibly weak. I think Smart is coming back from the injury, but I think we'd all agree with his defensive rep. He's better against bigs and switches. You know, like Smart, like
1: Giannis. Giannis. Yeah, it's great on Giannis. Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, Smart will switch against the guy. You're like, he has no chance unless you watch him all the time. You're like, you know what? He holds up really, really well. And, you know, I don't want to hold it against any perimeter guy when some of these ridiculous athletes are getting past them when they turn down right. the screen and all that. Because most everybody, like, it's hard to stay in front of a ton of these guys. So, but Agreed. Smart to just, hey, I'm going to go out there and lock all these guys down. I think the problem for Smart is the leader, is the vocal leader that has that edge that we kept hearing about when they were losing and they weren't defending. It's because mm-hmm. he was out. And you can say, okay, well, he's back, but he's back post the injury. I think it can be really annoying when Smart thinks he's the best player on a team to the other guys. So when the leader is the vocal guy who you think is annoying at times too, I don't know that that message comes across as clear as it would in other cases. And all of us that have watched him understand all the intangibles. But when you think of this team and all the the moments where they've looked lackadaisical, where they they look like their identity offensively is is two terrific wings taking turns each possession where other guys Mm -hmm. aren't feeling like they're involved and you guys are right about the free throw thing. If anything, they should just watch video of other guys selling calls because Jalen and Tatum are like tougher and that they don't really go to look to sell the call and the league is about selling the call now. So if you're not doing it, you're just missing free points by not making a point of, of emphasizing any kind of contact. And then you add in the Tice part, which, you know, obviously, you're right on point as you look through it because in the previous part when the trade came through at the end you're like oh, okay they're out of attacks that's why they did the deal they yeah. knew they weren't going to keep them and maybe it sets them getting out of the repeater i'd have to look at it again here sets them yeah. avoiding the repeater because they probably like fournier they probably like it. like danny loves shooters shooters that can create a little oh, bit yeah. yeah so
1: i agree you know. with that i think they'll try to resign him i do yeah i think that's part of the that's part of the play here but but, you know, your point is a good one about trying to stop anyone at point of attack perimeter defense. But again, what, uh, good teams, if, if there's a breakdown, you rotate, you cover and you recover. Right. Rotate, cover you have and a plan. Recover. Right. You're yeah. funneling
2: or that kind of stuff. Yeah. And,
1: and, and I just don't see that happening. And, 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 and you look at them individually. I think Dalen Brown, Jason Tam can both be high level defenders. We know Marcus Smart is and some of those other guys I thought. Could be. And as a group, you just I just expected I expected more.
0: Well, Fournier is not going to help them defensively. No, he has not. But he will be able to bring some of the stuff to the table that they missed from Hayward.
1: Size. The inclusiveness, size.
0: some size, the ability to switch, even though he's not great defensively, but also like the ball can move with him a little bit. He can cut. Yeah. He knows how to play basketball. That's what they were missing from the yeah. swings. All right. We're going to take a break coming back. Want to get your thoughts on the five-year odyssey of Victor Oladipo going to the Oh Miami my heat. gosh,
1: I know, right? <laughs> All
0: right, coming <laughs> back one second. This episode of the Bill Simmons Podcast is presented by State Farm. If you ever been in an accident and you're okay, but you know what happened, your first reaction is going to be, man, why did that happen? If you ever buy a new house or a new car or a new anything, there's this little rush you get when you're like, I did it, I made it happen. this has been whispered about really since Old Depot was kicking ass his first Indiana season. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, it really wants to go Miami. Well, now it finally happened. Um, Houston, I, we're still trying to figure out what they got in the James Harden trade that anyone would actually want. Um, they didn't, chose not to keep Karis LeVert. Right. They're just keeping their fingers crossed on all these picks. A little like what David Griffin did with that Drew Holiday trade. Same thing. Oh, mm-hmm. I got all these picks. Well, wait, let's examine pick by pick. Oh, wait, those picks aren't that great. And now they end up basically giving Oladipo away to Miami. Miami is one of the four best teams in the East. I think we're all kind of waiting to see if they have a surge here. Is he somebody that could actually make a difference for them in round two when they have to play probably Brooklyn, whoever the one seed is?
1: So I was on with uh, Eddie Johnson the other day.
0: I like that Uh, show. Eddie Johnson and
1: Termini? Yeah, yeah. I was on with those guys. Priscilla,
0: we have to get Termini on. He has hotter takes than we are. We, I mean, that's... They're, they're,
1: they're really <laughs> good. I like that show. fun. Yeah, and Eddie and I got, we kind of went back and forth a little bit because I was like, hey, I think Oladipo's, you know, worth a shot here. And he was like, absolutely not. Like, he's like, and he didn't want to, it wasn't like he was trying to slander Oladipo because everybody, by all accounts, he's a good guy. There's, you know, he's never bothered anybody, but he's like, why do you want a, you know, a 42% career field goal, you know, percentage shooter on your team he can't score he can't shoot what about you know he was going and so he kind of made me stop and think a little bit about it and at the time we were discussing that we thought either tyler hero although unlikely but probably duncan robinson would have to be in the deal right and he's not he's not so i don't understand this i don't know how Well, it's a pick swap where they're not going
0: to even have the worst pick in the trade
1: I just don't understand it from Houston's side. Do you guys?
0: I I do because
1: I think the
2: market was absolutely abysmal for Oladipo because other teams knew, even if I'm getting him in here as a rental, like, what do I want to give up? Everybody yeah. thought other team, look, I don't talk to all 30 teams, but there are enough teams right. that were like, look, he's going to Miami or New York as a free agent. Anyway, Free agent, yeah. yeah, him turning down the extension really wasn't that big of a deal because it was a shorter extension. They could have offered him a much bigger extension. Houston could have with the bird rights if they wanted to this summer, but the way right, it worked, right. they could only offer him the two, which was weird that it even got out. Cause then when I got out, I went, well, why would Oladipo well, exactly. did Ola Depot's camp want it out to let people know, hey, they're offering Max money, or did Houston's camp want to get it out to say, like, hey, we tried, we tried, we're trying with the to, guy, t- yeah, we're trying to but, take
1: care of this guy. Yeah. So
2: I also always kind of like to follow the Woj timeline because he was saying all week, like there was there was something in play, there was something in play, and I wonder if Houston knows, hey, we have this terrible Miami deal available, <laughs> so <laughs> we know we can trade him if we absolutely want to trade him. And then other teams that I talked to said they were calling about Oladipo all the time. And so it all adds up. This is Mm. really the best. I don't, I don't think it's necessarily like, I'm not going to tell you it's a good
0: trade. I think it's the only trade. Wow. I, for me, it's hard to believe the Lakers wouldn't come flying in off the top rope at this point. If it's like, all right, if this, this is the trade, we will, we'll throw Kabba KCP and our second round pick or anything.
1: I will. I will tell you in my, my little, you know, dialing around the league a bit in the in the days leading up to this there just seems to be some lingering questions about his health his long-term health and that's always a red flag what is he is he 28 28 28, yeah yeah he's 28 so he's young enough if he's not damaged goods and I think that's a really heavy 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 moniker to put on him I don't see evidence of that when I'm watching him play right now but there seems to be some there was seem to be some hesitation from teams. About that as well, which is interesting because it's been how long now since that? I mean, it was a bad injury, but it's been we're almost two it's years.
2: It's been a it's been a while, yeah, Jackie. It's a great point because I think all of us just assume, especially when you're younger, you're like, okay, so what does this mean? He's just done right. now, like the quad. Yeah, he's yeah, just yeah. never going to be this. like that. Seems pretty. Significant, and yet right. there are times where I think he looks physically okay, and then other times he doesn't. But it all collectively looked bad, and it looked. I'm totally willing to believe that it's going to look better in Miami, just because he's not going to be with Houston, who I think at one point played the right. most starting lineups of any team in the league.
1: Yeah, poor. I mean, poor Steven Silas. I'm going to say it again. Good, absolutely. Good, yeah, it's just so unfair. And and you put, you put him in Miami and Spol Smart, and he's going to be playing around veterans who understand him, who want him there. We want to make it work. Jimmy Butler, you know, I don't know what their relationship is, but he's going to, you know, he's going to bring him in with open arms. It's just interesting, though, because they're a team that's had trouble shooting this year, which still astonishes me that we would say that about Miami. But they've had trouble with their, you know, three-point shooting and everything. And that's not, Victor Oladipo is not going to solve that problem.
0: Hero has uh, had a rocky second season. So it looks like Miami is getting Aldridge. And this was on
1: Twitter.
0: Yeah, at Pickup Hoop tweeted this. Miami turned Myers Leonard, Kelly Olenek, Mo Harkless, and Avery Bradley into Trevor Ariza, Bezaliga, I still can't say it, Oladipo, and Aldridge. That's, that's a pretty good... <laughs> so they got Ariza, Bielitsa, <laughs> Oladipo, and Aldridge for four guys who, other than Olynyk, was the only yeah. one who was playing out of those and, four. That's and, pretty and Olen-
1: good. And Olynyk's up, right? Isn't Olenek yep. up? Yeah, Olynyk's up. up. Yeah, so Bielitsa, that's a nice little pickup. I just think he was... You know, on a team that there was some unusual depth at his position on a not very good team. I thought the Celtics might make a run at him, too. Um, mm. And I think they did. But, you know, I Fournier, I think, was their their um, priority, I guess. Bialitsa will help them, I think.
0: Yeah, they certainly have a nine-man rotation now. It's pretty impressive. Uh, Rosillo, Kelly Olenek buyout. What's the most fun team from a comedy standpoint for him? La- <laughs> Lakers?
2: <laughs> uh i'm trying to no we can the do the uniform no, no dallas, the, blue? No, dallas.
1: no no the Cavs. He, t- he took down kevin love come on guys it's the Cavs. Oh, they, they
0: go <laughs> back on. to the Cavs. unexpected kevin love
2: yeah, probably I, has in his contract that, that can he has veto power over that it's not no own, question. he doesn't have his own trade veto but he'd be able right. to veto that so, i say dallas make it look like hoosiers
0: oh Ooh, wow hey with Reddick and Melly and Luca and Kleber. Yeah. yeah. You could just yeah, go wow. run it out. Normandale on the sidelines. Um, Rondo to the Clippers, Jackie.
1: Mm. Yeah. I'm surprised. He makes a lot of money, makes too much money, but maybe the Clippers don't care. Maybe Bomber doesn't care.
2: He I, definitely doesn't care. I, yeah. He really <laughs> doesn't care.
1: Definitely. And, and, definitely. does not care. And I, I see, I put Rondo and he's not as good as Kyle Lowry, but I put him in the same category in that. Like he, he doesn't care. I remember someone told me his, you know, when he was with the Lakers with his first year with LeBron, like LeBron, I forget what the context was, but Rondo looked at him and goes, yeah, man, you're not, don't do that, man. Like he has no problem saying that to anybody, everybody. He's going to be a really good coach in this league. And I think he helped Trey Young a lot in the short time he was with them in Atlanta, but he, but he wasn't very helpful as a player, right? He was injured. He, you know, struggled. So I, I don't know, maybe the Clippers want him for as much his wisdom, you know, he's the Yoda of the group, and sort, certainly, Ty Lu knows him well from their time together in Boston. So I, I like it. I, I mean, I don't understand the price tag for him. Another thing I don't understand so much.
2: Yeah, he's seven and a half million next year, too. I totally understood why Atlanta was trying to do it. They had all this cap space. The guys yeah, are yeah, trying yeah. to figure out a way why to stay. Did it. Hey, we'll keep him around. I also understand why the Clippers did it when they don't care about money because they felt like point guard thing needed to improve. Can I just throw this out there? Because I don't think anyone's going to agree with me. Okay. I've Jackie knows this better than anybody, but the legendary stories of Rondo's understanding of the game, like it's, it's it's, incredible, right? It's, it's like just next level stuff. Why is he going to be a good coach when he never seems to get along with like anybody after a little while? Like, isn't that the number one job is to have a personality that sort of defines a way to defer to the players.
0: Maybe he's like a Doug. Maybe it'll be a Doug Collins where he'll have two really good years. Then the (laughs) third year you just kind of have to go.
1: See, I'm going to push back on this whole narrative.
0: I expected so who, you to.
1: So who did who does he not get along with? Ray Allen. OK, Ray Allen. He's not the only one that did get along with Ray Allen. So let's. Where, he, what team he battled, was he on? He battled Worn
0: with Doc for a while. He battled with Carlisle. No,
1: well, he battled <sighs> with coaches. That's different than players. And he, he battled with Carlisle because that was a bad fit for both of them. That net that trade never should have happened. I, don't, I, I remember talking to Rick and Rick was like saying all the right things, but I think that was Cuban that wanted that to happen back in the day. Or maybe. All right,
2: so Nelson Rick, Ricky shut it down. The Pelicans, he shut it down. When he was with the Lakers, he sat in the seats and then got mad when the media was like, I don't know, that's a little disrespect for Luke Walton. So we can say that he got along with the players, did along along with the coaches. I just think you have to be wired a certain way now with younger players that you can't be as combative. And maybe Bill's right. Maybe it's a two year thing where it's like, whoa, this guy really woke us up. But now we can't stand him anymore. Like Scott
1: Skiles. Yeah. I like those coaches. But let me tell you a story about Rondo. So Rondo was playing with, uh, I got to remember, I'm confusing the teams. He was with Chicago, right? Yeah, he was. Yeah, with he Chicago, was. Right. He was with Chicago. And you know what he did on his off day? He was going to their G League affiliate and watching the young players and staying after the game and talking to them and giving them pointers. That's the Rondo most people don't know about. Okay, and but it could could it
2: be because nobody wanted to hang out with him?
1: No, 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 no. Like I'm just KG kidding. KG and those guys, I'm they, just they kidding. still swear by him. KG, I know. Like, I know. You know, so I think there's, I think, I think he's growing and changing. I've talked to him a lot in the last calendar year, more than I had in previous years. And he's recognizing, you know, I could have handled things better in Dallas. I could have done things differently here. I, you know, the guys, when I did that story on him for the playoffs last year, I talked to Bobby Portis and all these young guys that played with him. And I was just curious what they thought of him. Yeah. And they're all like, no, no, he was, he was the man. Like the minute the game ended, they're on the plane. He's got his laptop open. He's going over plays. And and he would like if a, if a young player went by, he goes, you want me to show you this? And not like, hey, get over here, kid. Get over here, rookie. Do you want to can I, can I show you this? And, you know, you can walk by. Or you can sit down next to him and learn something. So I, I my money's on Rondo as a coach. I think he's going to be good.
0: I have a half decent Rondo story. I hosted this charity thing for the Celtics with the Shimrock Foundation where they yep. had all the players. Yep. They do it like every October. So I was the M- MC one year.
1: I was there. And I was in the stands, in the in the crowd. How'd Bill do? He did very well. I
0: did well. So, he but was very I,
1: glib, very glib.
0: It was Rondo's last season, right? So he was the best player in the team. It was this new era for the Celtics. And at one point we had to interview the players. So I was on the stage with Rondo. And, you know, he's like, hey, how you doing? But, and then we start doing it on the stage. There's probably like 500 people there. I don't even know how many. And there was one question early, and I could see, you know, when you're, there's certain people when you're with them, you're talking to them, but you can feel it. You feel like they're sizing you up. Like they're kind of like studying you. They're studying your mannerisms. They're almost like you You feel like they're, it's like Arnold Schwarzenegger in The Terminator. They're just kind of processing all these things. Sarah about you. Connor. And I could see him watching me as I was doing the MC thing, and but not watching me like, I hope this guy does well, more watching me like trying to figure me out. And I think I had some question early and maybe he like intentionally didn't give me the greatest answer. It was almost like he was trying to test me mm. to see how I'd respond. And then I quickly like audibled with it where like, oh, I guess I'm not getting anything from Rondo today or something like that. And I kind of gave it back to him and then he like snapped in and then all of a sudden he was like really engaged. It was like he had to kind of test me to see how I would handle yeah. him being kind of a dick. <laughs> and I got to think that's awesome. I got to think that's what it's like to be his teammate though, right? He's probably, he takes each person and he's like, does these little weird Rondo personality tests on them. And if they pass, then he's in. And if they don't pass, he's out. I think he's one of those guys.
1: I think he's outgrown that. I do. Well, yeah, this was eight years ago. Yeah. I I think that's, I think he's learned a lot through the years from, he's played with, think about the guys that he's played with. He's played with some of the greatest players of all time, starting with KG, Paul Pierce, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, he's, He's got a pretty good uh, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. You know, tell me when to stop. And they right. all have genuine, and all those guys I just named, I think if you ask any one of them what they think of Rondo, the answer is going to be pretty positive. And then you take the young players like that I mentioned, like a guy like Bobby Portis. Uh, there were a bunch of young guys. Like, my, they're escaping me. They're out of my brain right now. Trey Young being one of them, too. Um, and those guys have great respect. So it's the kind of like the guys in the middle, maybe, that, Mm. Maybe those are the ones he's not exactly sure how to how to navigate.
0: Where do you see Drummond going?
1: Well, I would have I would have said maybe the Lakers as a pickup, as a Lakers as just a, as a buyout, or the Heat as a buyout. But they're going with Aldridge. Uh, I mean, people keep connecting him to the Celtics. Maybe now that Tice is gone, I I don't see it, but possible, I guess. What's the price tag? You know,
0: I think it's gonna be the Knicks, but Rossillo. It would be fun if Drummond went to the Lakers for the LeBron media mafia. If Drummond kind of came together and it just would be another bow in the in the in the series of quivers for for LeBron, right? Uh, oh Drummond, nobody's ever gotten as much a dread of Drummond as LeBron did. We could have that whole narrative for a couple of days. That would be fun. There you
2: go. I just don't think anything's gonna top a four and OGM record in the All Star game. <laughs>
0: <laughs> look, no, no. If we're going LeBron, like it, him salvaging Dwight Howard's career has to be number one all time for him. He'll never top that. Dwight oh, Howard, come on. <laughs> everyone was done out. It was over. Even the Celtics wouldn't look at him and they actually needed a center. Like his career was over yeah. and LeBron turned him into an asset again. It's unbelievable. Single-handedly.
1: Well, how do you know it was LeBron? because who else was doing it? Dwight because was it was done.
0: lobs.
2: I, I completely <laughs> underestimated the fact that LeBron brings everything to him and lob like it look, I understand everybody has to collapse and worry about LeBron, but like the first couple of weeks of regular season games between Dwight and Javell I went, "Oh, wait, they're just going to get easy lobs the entire yeah, time right. because LeBron's amazing." Um so I felt look, I still think one of the best basketball accomplishments of the last 20 years is him bringing that that 07 team to the finals because that that team being in NBA Finals, if you look at that Cleveland roster, is I've always well, counted it it as, beating, it it counts as half a ring.
0: Yeah, oh, yeah. Beating, that's what I mean. Beating the Pistons yeah. was
1: unbelievable. unbelievable. I, you're right. <laughs> it's the lost LeBron accomplishment. That team was really good. All A lot of the early LeBron stuff was kind of incredible. But I'll say this about Dwight Howard. I don't think you're giving him enough credit. Because I think I'm, fine was, I'm glad. I'm glad you feel you that are, way. Because I, I don't want to give him credit. I know you don't. I I get it. <laughs> but I'm telling you, he was at rock, rock, rock bottom. He had like fired his like 12th agent, and I think he was smart enough to know. I I can't. I have to keep my mouth shut and play hard and just be. Uh, just I got to give up. You know, it's like Mellow right? Melo finally was like, "All right, maybe I will come off the bench." <laughs> you know, it's the kind of the same thing with Dwight Howard. Okay, maybe I just have to be a backup banger, agitator, disruptor that might score yeah. once in a while. And if I can do that, and I know I can do that, then I'm I'm gonna have you know three, four more years. So I give him a little credit too.
0: Um, no Lonzo trade, which we we talked about yeah. a little bit earlier. Um, yeah, I, would I never have traded him. Why? Yeah, would you I was trade never him? buying that. You wouldn't. Yeah. Um, yeah. Did anything happen today that made you, either of you change yes. your opinion oh. on who would win the title?
1: Oh, no. I thought you were going to ask me that surprised me. Like, Vucevic, oh. I didn't I didn't think Vucevic was going. I thought, OK, surprised me. let's talk about that. Why didn't you think he was going? Because my intel was telling me that they're probably not going to move him. Now they got. You know, did they get enough? They got they want picks. They got Carter. They got Porter, the expiring. I guess they got once they made the determination, we're really doing this. We're really, but I mean, Chicago, I like what happened to Chicago. And if they had ever gotten Lonzo, I would have been really happy for him. They kept your boy, Laurie Markin. Yeah. Kept him. I can Uh, still sign
0: him when I get hired as a GM. I feel like I can still get Markin and Melly and Monk and have and build the team I want to build. Okay.
1: (laughs) And then you can finish 12th in the conference. How's that? Okay.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Who else do I like? Oh, I. By the way, I never stopped liking Javante Green. I know he never played, but I, I still feel like I would. He would have a room on my bench. Well, so sure. Some some moments. looking at me like I'm crazy. Well, yeah, that one 40. doesn't
2: make any sense. I mean, I know he's super athletic and stuff, and there was a cool dunk every now and then. But yeah.
0: listen, I listen. Mean, I would rather have that than just guys who ran to the corners so they could miss a three. I would at least rather have somebody doing stuff. Uh so you still have Brooklyn to win the title?
1: Yes, I do because. Well, I mean, we have to always say, if Durant, I mean, it's just a long time he's been out. And I get why they're doing it. I would do it too. But now it's like he and Anthony Davis, both are just out, out, out. And both for the same reasons, right? Any area down there, the calf, the hamstring, it leads to that Achilles. And it's just, we've all learned our lesson. That you just can't mess with that. But um, yeah, Brooklyn, everybody I talked to, <laughs> all the coaches, everybody I could talk to, they're like, We just never knew Harden would be this compliant and this all in compliant. Well, yeah, because he is, he's, he's showing up for conditioning drills. He's taught, you know, he's doing everything and more. He's not worrying about end of the shots and we've talked about it. Maybe it changes in the playoffs from what I understand, you know, he, he knows he messed up in the way he blasted out of Houston. He's embarrassed about it. And, you know, maybe it only lasts for this year, but even if it only lasts for this year, Uh, You know, I've asked coaches time and time again, can you flip the switch defensively? If you're a talented team, can you switch the, can you flip that switch defensively in time and then turn around and win a championship? And everybody says, yes, you can't flip a switch offensively. That's impossible because usually you don't have the talent. So I'm, I'm trusting my experts on this.
0: I'm trying to think of a team that couldn't flip the switch. So I guess it would be like the. Yeah, the defensively, I guess you would go to like those the Nash Suns team, but it had more to do with the fact that they were just undersized against. Yeah.
1: And they just played a different way. So people have told me in the past, you know, that 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 fateful Lakers team where they they loaded up with Peyton and Malone and everybody that they they were a bit like that, that they just said, oh, don't worry about that. We'll we'll get that straight away. We'll get that straightened away in time. You know, that was just a team of guys that just took way too much for granted, you know.
2: Well, look, the Warriors the Warriors throughout that entire run, they were a special defensive team. They were. And then the last year, you could see that it was slipping a little bit, but it still has more to do with the injuries than their defensive switch. But we had Bob Myers on the show, and I I said, yeah, look, I'm noticing some things or whatever, like, what do you Mm -hmm. see? What do you think? And he goes, you know, if you were to hike Mount Everest with your best friends and you did it and you were like, this is amazing. And then I said, hey, let's do it again next week. Like, you'd still Mm -hmm. want to do it, Maybe, but you just, you're not going to be. And I think that's, I mean, look, it's the Bulls, that second three-peat team, everything we've learned about it. What I don't like is when a team that's accomplished nothing thinks they can turn off the switch.
1: Right, And right, they're like, right. don't
2: worry. I mean, the Celtics-Kyrie Team the last Kyrie year was the poster. I'm not just saying this because it's the three of us. That's why that team annoyed the hell out of me because mm-hmm. they kept acting like they'd won a couple titles being like, well, once we turn it on and once we have everybody look out and you go, there's nothing here that tells me I'm supposed to give you any benefit of the doubt whatsoever. Right. And that's how bad they were in the second round. So I'm I'm OK with a team not being as locked in that has the resume to do it. But it's funny how with that Lakers example you have, Jackie, that was other players that were kind of almost taking credit for the Lakers previous resume when it's like, okay, but your group, your group has no right right to tell us we're supposed to just believe you about this magical
1: switch. hundred percent agree with that. Very well. Can I give you
0: can I give you one team that I wish had done something today? Get your reactions. Mm -hmm. The Sons of Phoenix. What did you want them to do? So I guess the question for me do we think Ayton in a playoff series if they're down 3-2 playing in LA or I don't know they're down 3-2 Philly. playing in Denver Philly or whatever do we think he can we can trust him in the last 6 minutes of a game did they need the second guy the security blanket in case the eight and thing isn't going the right way. That would have been my question with them. Go ahead, Ryan. Come on, Rosillo. I know you have thoughts.
2: I don't think they have a lot of pieces that they could have moved out unless they said, all right, let's just go ahead and and move uh, a draft pick. And a draft pick from this year, nobody would have interest in. I think
0: Jalen Smith Smith would have been the move, right? Yeah. The 10th pick last year. And you maybe move him. With Saric, and now you can get somebody in the fifteen million range. I guess that so would did, have been the move. And who did you want? I don't know. I, maybe that's why they didn't make the move because yeah. there was not that person, or maybe they think they can get a bio guy. But weirdly, I think that would be a great Olympic team. I do think like he could potentially play for them, and I think he would play well with the way that that team is just a really smart half court team. And I think yeah. he's a smart half court player. I think yeah, I think he's he rangy. Would help them.
1: Got a little size. Yeah. I mean, the question about Aiden is to me, it's just, how do we know? We just don't have a big enough sample size to answer that question. They've, he's never played in a really, really super meaningful playoff game yet. I would argue. So I don't feel great about
2: it. Yeah. I don't feel great about it either. Right. But, you know, just because you don't feel great about something doesn't mean there's a solution out there for him. So I would have thought if Phoenix was going to do anything, maybe they would have kicked the tires on you know, a George Hill deal, add another ball-handling shooter. Right. You know, do we want to do this when we want to go small sometimes? Because I think Phoenix will be trying to do whatever they can, but I doubt they're afraid of Utah. And if the Lakers part of this isn't healthy, uh, you know, Phoenix, I have no problem with Phoenix not doing anything because I also think they're looking around going, hey, we might not be that far off. Like, it might not be inconceivable, but the Aiton part of it is something that at least the last month, although I think he's finished games a little bit more, you know, more I think about it. But there was a weird stretch where they were, you know, you are looking at his March minutes. I think he was seventh in minutes heading into this week on the team for fourth quarter minutes. Excuse me. Right. So, um, you know, it could be a matchup thing. It could be trying to get him him going again. But being concerned about him, I, even though I say that, I, I'm not to the point where I just completely write them off because I just yeah. respect Paul and and what Booker can do so much and Bridges.
0: Yeah, and he's too young. He's too young. No, yeah, I'm not. I'm not saying trade him. I'm just saying. No, I know. I think. But, I, mean, I, I actually th- think the Suns are are. A legit contender. They were eight and eight. Their record heading into last night was 29 and 13. So they were 21 and five over their last 26. And a lot of those wins were convincing. They lost yeah. a really dumb game to a magic team that would trade no everybody 12 exists. hours later. Yeah. It <laughs> no
1: longer exists. <laughs> but if
0: they had won the game yesterday, they would have been 30 and 13. They're a two seed. The Lakers are not getting the two seed with the injuries they have. I guess the Clippers could make a run. The Nuggets are four back. But what
1: about the Nuggets? Did you already talk about them in part one, two, or three? The we nuggets? did, but
0: let's hear your Aaron Gordon thoughts.
1: Well, so the Nuggets to me were interesting. They got JaVale McGee too, didn't they? I think yes, they did. Yes, yeah. which we liked.
0: We liked yeah, that one. Yeah, so
1: that's what they needed to We We had talked, I think, Bill, last week even, about the idea they needed a rim protector to take some pressure off Jokic. And so JaVale McGee, if nothing else, can be that, right? I yep. mean, you're not asking him to do a lot. You're going to ask him to do a little. And JaVale McGee... You know, plays limited minutes anyway. So he. I, I liked that. And and I really just like where Denver was at the trading deadline because I told you not to not to sour on my boy, Jamal Murray, who is now just like you did. lighting it up. And, and, my, and Michael Porter Jr. is now rounding into form. And all of a sudden, to me, they look like a pretty scary team. Now, Gordon, I think he helps him. They, you know, Gary Harris, again, I just thought Orlando would get more. I just thought they'd get more. And Gary Harris Jr. can be a good player, but he's just hurt all the time. I just don't know how you lay your hat on that because he, I mean, how many games has he missed this year already? Over He's 20, played 19 games this year. Yeah. So it's just, it's a shame because I think there's a talented player there, but you got to be able to get on the floor. It's like Romeo Langford, you know, you got to get on the floor. Yeah. So, at some point,
0: durability is, becomes a
1: skill at some point. 100%. So, I, I think Aaron Gordon, I like him as a piece for the Knicks, but I'm not 100% sure. Again, he's a, what, a 32% three point shooter, but he can, you know, he can, he could score off the dribble. He could slash. He, you know, maybe he what he does do is limit the, you know, help you manage the minutes of your stars a little better because you can give them a blow and he can go out there and score a little bit for you while they're on the bench resting. So I like, I'm bullish on Denver. I like where they're at. I think we haven't seen the best version of Denver yet and I think it's coming. I like
0: you d- you know what we're headed for in round 1 is Phoenix locked into that 2 seed and um or if Phoenix got fell to the 3 seed cuz I think there's a chance the Clippers can pass them and become the 2 seed and Phoenix is 3 seed and then some jockeying to see who can play the 6 seed cuz everyone's going to want to play Phoenix. Phoenix out yeah. of and followed by the disres- Chris Paul deciding it's a sign of disrespect and some sort of yeah. awesome storyline with that. Um, well, I, I thought this was a really fun trade deadline before we go, Jackie. Uh, so I found out my dad is a huge Yukon women's basketball fan like three weeks ago.
1: Oh, Paige Buchers,
0: huh? I don't know. He, it's not like he was hiding this from me. We're just, he's 3000 miles away. There's TV shows he watches. I don't know about there's fan things. So he was here visiting a few weeks ago, and we were gonna go to dinner and and he was watching the Yukon women's basketball game, whoever they're playing. And I'm like, I'm like, what's going on here? What why are you watching Yukon? And he's like, I'm a big Yukon fan. And I'm (laughs) like, What? Since when? When did this happen? Like you were always like BC, Holy Cross, like now you're Yukon. And apparently he's been really into Yukon women's basketball the last couple of years, and he's enamored with Paige and how great she is, and um As he just... Fudd,
1: wait till he sees Azzy Fudd, they're like best friends, and she was the number one recruit, and Yukon's got her on the hook for next year
0: so where's Paige in the hierarchy like is it's too she... early it's too okay. early
1: it's too early, but she's but how talented really, really, is she though good. oh no she's she's breaking all sorts of rec- UConn records, freshman records, she's really, really good, and uh and but Azzy Fudd's even better, so it's like bring it on, the embarrassments of riches. Bring it on. I, I. It's too early to say where she is. I still think. I mean, Maya Moore was incredible for sure. But I've never seen anybody like Diana Taurasi. Diana Taurasi is my favorite athlete of all time in any sport, male or female. There's just no one else like her. She's just like Kobe Bryant, Bill Russell, Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, all wrapped into one person who just spews profanities and backs it up. And just everything about her is just I'm not promoting profanity. I I guess maybe. Yeah, (laughs) I guess I am. But I just I've never met anybody like her. And I just. She's just one of my... I, I just loved watching her play. And and I don't know that anyone will ever have that. You know, and she's Kyle Lowry times 10 in the talent category. But the same grittiness, the same in-your-face, the same person that her passion sometimes is going to be too much for her teammates and probably even her coach. I mean, watching the two of them go at it, Gino and Diana, you know, they're both Italian. It just... Her parents spoke Italian. They didn't even speak a lot of English. It just... It was a match made in heaven. So I could go on all day about D. I think she's just really tremendous.
0: I sat courtside with my daughter when my daughter was like, I don't know, eight for mm-hmm. a Sparks game. And it was it was Tarassi. Have you seen her in person, Marcelo? Or did you see her in the, at her peak?
2: Yeah, and then we, we saw her when she came by, just the way she carried herself when she walked around
0: ESPN. It was unbelievable. I mean, she She was I'll... so alpha doggy. It was yeah. unbelievable. And she's dropping F-bombs. and Oh, yeah. yeah. My daughter she's... loved it. She was like, what's
1: going what? on? <laughs> well, because she played like a guy. And everybody used to say, why do you play like a guy? And she's like, what's wrong with that? My my favorite, my mo- the most incredible moment, I still have it etched in my mind. I was in London for the Olympics. They won the gold medal. And I don't know if you guys remember this. You may not. Gino has trouble with migraines and, uh, he couldn't show up for the post game press conference cause he had a terrible migraine. So he's just won a gold medal and he, he can't do the post game cause he's got this horrible migraine. So D sitting up there by herself and someone just asked her somewhat of an innocuous question about what does it mean to you to, you know, win this, this gold medal with Gino. And, and, and she just went into this thing and, and she was standing. I'll never forget. Like she was staring straight ahead. And she's like, you know, he's just like, no one has reached inside to my body and ripped out my heart the way this guy has. And, you know, I tell him things I don't tell my best friends. And she's not like gesturing and, and engaging with the aunt. She's like straight ahead. And she's like, I tell, I tell him things I don't tell my parents. And she's crying. Like the tears are pouring. This is one of the toughest people I've ever seen in my life anywhere. And she's bawling talking about this coach. And I, I was just, it was one of the most incredible sports moments I've ever encountered. It was amazing. Wow. And it's too bad that it was the women's gold medal game because no, no one cared enough to blow it up the way it should have been. It still bothers me.
0: She, She's the goat. There's a great Cheryl Miller case though.
1: Oh, well, Cheryl Miller had, she stayed healthy. She's the what if, what if there's the she, what if yeah, case yeah, of that? Yeah. yeah but Cheryl I think, Miller, believe me, I adore Cheryl Miller and I saw, I covered her my first ever women's final four was her freshman year at USC when she won the championship. And she would, she said, if she won the championship, she was going to do a cartwheel and she did a cartwheel and like Pat summit was like, what the hell? And then she had to play for Pat <laughs> summit after that and Pat Summit's given her all sorts of crap. And then, you know, she finally went into her office and goes, what do we got to do it? She goes, you got to stop doing cartwheels. <laughs> you know, it was like a great moment. Yeah. Cheryl Moulin had a lot of spunk. I love Cheryl.
0: Ricciello is Gino a good sports radio topic cuz he's really polarizing for some reason, right?
2: Well, he just has no filter whatsoever and he's awesome. I mean, I've I've met him a couple times. I've had him on um you know, one of my favorite things he, he ever did because, you know, it seems to come up every now and then because you can see when you're watching a women's game, there's just this evolvement that I think is has happened at a faster rate because, you know, men were at a certain point. And then when you're starting to see some of the stuff that the women are doing, you're just like, okay, you know? Yeah. And then, of course, it inevitably leads to the talk show thing of like, hey, is it even ever possible? Is it ever possible? And I remember having Gino on and he's like, Deanna Taurasi's the most badass player I've ever coached in my entire life what the hell is she going to do against Dwayne Wade? All right. Yeah. Who, she's guarding Dwayne Wade. And he's like shooting down that it's, it's, it's just like, look, this is a basketball conversation. It's stupid to even suggest that she's going to play in the NBA and be able to stay in front of Dwayne Wade. And here's one of the best um, proponents of, of, of women's basketball in, in recent history. But he has no problem just being like, okay, but if we're just talking straight up basketball, like I'm going to set you straight on this bullshit topic. And here yeah. you go. And right. I think, I think it's a turnoff at times for people being like, wait a minute, why would he be critical? And he's not saying I'm not being critical. You're asking me a question and I've been around basketball my whole life and I'm just telling you. So unfortunately it leads to like kind of diminishing the product on the female side, which sucks. Like that's not what anybody's necessarily trying to do, but I think that he would answer the question the way most people would off the air on the air that it leads to him having, I think unfairly way too many detractors. And I'm just telling you right now, I fucking love Gino Ariama all right?
0: Yeah. Well, so does He's my awesome. dad. My well, da- my dad's right there with you. You know, it's funny you mentioned how women's basketball is hitting this point where you can see things jumping up a level athletically, The right? step backs and some of the stuff yeah, the last yeah, yeah. few years. I'm not oh, saying it's, it's never incredible. been
2: there, but it's it's across the board now on some of these moves where I think as a younger prickly guy, you would go, oh, you know, whatever. And now you're
0: like, I can't defend, I couldn't defend any of this stuff.
1: Yeah. Well, it was, yeah. it was
0: reminiscent of, like, the Elgin stuff this week. I think.
1: Right. El- El- right. Elgin...
0: Elgin got some of his due this week for, all right, this was the first, Kuzi uh, was the first entertaining basketball player we had. Elgin was the first entertaining athletic basketball player we yeah. had offensively and did things that people were like, what the fuck is going on? How is this yeah. person doing this? And completely transformed
1: yeah, everything people thought was possible. Yeah. He he was Dr. J before he was Dr. J. And, and, you know, one thing I would say about Gino, though, um, Ryan, and I think this is one of the things that I hear a lot. And, I mean, I did a book with Gino. So I really grew, you know, people used to call the Yukon thing a cult. By the time I was done doing that book, I was like, where do I sign up? <laughs> because it's all about <laughs> discipline and, you know, like fighting for each other. Like, like I, I grew up in Westwood, Massachusetts, and our, our high school team uh, didn't lose a league game for like, I don't know, 15 years or something. Jackie, crazy. were you
2: the best player on the team?
1: Not even close. Not really? Even close. I didn't even start playing. T- G-
2: Jackie's a really good player.
1: No, I didn't even start playing until my junior of high school, Ryan. I was afraid to try out for this team. That's how big it was in our town and in our school. The games were sold out. We were, you know, they would have, uh, remember Evening Magazine? You guys are all from Boston. That show Robin Young did. Evening oh, yeah. Magazine. Robin we Young. Were, we, were, we were on Evening Magazine. Like, our my high school Bill experience. Bill used to call just, in. Like, just, you know, I, I love oh, Robin
0: Young. Oh, my God. Oh, I
1: still love Robin Young. Yeah. She's great. She, da- she dated. Do you know who she dated? Good trivia question.
2: Who? Marvin I, Barnes.
1: Pat Matheny, the great jazz musician. What? Saw him live.
2: Saw Pat yeah, Matheny God. live. One of the best concerts I've yeah. ever been yeah. to. Yeah.
1: She is, she, believe I'm not if I'm not mistaken Robin Young dated Pat Matheny. But anyway, wow. uh, but anyway, my <laughs> point was like when you get to these situations where your teams are better and everybody's always gunning for you, I think the one mistake that Gino made was that whole back and forth with Pat Summit because Pat Summit is the gold standard Of women's basketball. She just is because of what she did to get it from, you know, to to bring it along. And she did it in a certain she did in a complete opposite way of Gino. Gino's going to be in your face. He's going to challenge you. Pat just did it in a completely different way. And no matter how good Gino was, and he told me this when I did this book with him, no matter how good he was, he was never going to be Pat Summit, And it drives him crazy. And you can see why, because in Gino's mind, he's a much better coach than Pat Summit. Yeah, And he's won more championships and everything else. But no matter how good he was, how much they won, this closeness that his team had, which I I would just think anyone should want that. It's so amazing to be part of a team where, you know, the kids that played 10 years before you and 10 years after, that's special. That's special, right? Celtics have that. Lakers have that. Two teams have that. Tennessee has it, actually. Tennessee has it. But no matter what, there was a whole collection of people that were never going to Gino was never going to live up to Pat summit. And I think it drives him crazy. And I think it's the one time in his career where that's something he should have found a way to handle a little better.
0: You know, that's an interesting point about, I I think this is what men's college basketball has really lost with the one and done era is that concept of the 10 years before 10 years after and how the, how the teams connect. I just remember that Duke team where it was like, Grant Hill was the freshman that one year and then he stays right. and then you pass it off. And there, it just, there's a connective tissue that I think starting in the late nineties just went away
1: and yeah, one and done takes and care of And then of the coach,
0: the coach basically became the connective tissue, but you hear like Kentucky's big on the culture they create, right? And the Knicks are basically trying to recreate the Kentucky culture by taking a lot of their players doing the same things. Right. But it's really hard to have that if the guys are staying one year or two years and and that's right. it. They've been there. Anthony Davis spent seven months on campus. Like right? how, how transformative of an experience could that have possibly right. been for him? You know, so, so I, you know, I do miss that.
1: And interestingly, the UConn men had that as well. I mean, you know that, Ryan, those guys with Jim Calhoun was there. There was that same connective tissue. And and I think, you know, Kevin Ollie tried to continue it. And then, you know, now it's just a whole different. It's I mean, I don't even know what's going on. At well, UConn, Calhoun,
2: like, uh, the thing that was really cool about those guys is I think some program's pretend that everybody's like still part of the family but those mm-hmm. UConn guys take a special pride in kind of being in the middle of nowhere coming from all over the country and that Jim you know he wasn't the most hands-on coach but he just trusted you physically like hey you're gonna get out there bust your ass play defense but we're gonna let right. you guys run as much as you want and do your thing and then you think about all the pros they put in and those guys came back and, and really were i mean whatever it's not like every single guy got along but there was just something kind of special like look it's not duke it's not kentucky it's not kansas it's not ucla it's uconn and stores in the middle of nowhere and they were getting these guys in from all over the place and you know granted i was i was a lot closer to it than some of the other programs um just because i was living there and and was Mm -hmm. friendly with a couple guys that played but i i know that that culture thing is something that everybody i mean nothing is to the standard of heat culture but Everybody tries to have it. <laughs> Everybody tries to have it and it's it's like you don't get to just print t-shirts and pretend you have wow. it. And both Yukon had it and I think the other thing's kind of funny about Gino and and Jim and I like both. I've been lucky enough to meet them multiple times is I yeah. you know they weren't in a summer house. Both. They weren't yeah. getting a summer house together anytime soon and no. I think that added to it that was kind of cuz I think down south um, the men's and women's coach would have pretended they got along a little bit better. And in the Northeast, because of both of their backgrounds, they were like, let's not pretend we're buddies yeah. here. Like, you know, you're from mass and I don't give a shit either. And whatever. Yeah. So it That's was kind of funny. funny. I always thought yeah. it was funny.
1: Neither one of them liked to pretend. I mean, Jim Calhoun and Rick Patino hated each other. Northeastern and BU. I mean, they hated each other. They used to run around the city, the reservoir sometimes. And they'd, they'd just run past each other. They wouldn't even say hello. Like that. <laughs> Jesus. They, those guys really did not like each other. And and, and Gino and Jim, what was interesting was Jim was close with a lot of the female players and Gino was close with a lot of the male players. And Howie Dickerman, the assistant coach for UConn, I'm pretty sure he's the godfather to one of Gino's kids. I mean, so there was a lot of cross-pollination between they, regardless of what the two men thought of each other, the programs never let that affect their affection for one another no, on both no. sides of that. It was really cool to be yeah. around. Really was
0: we semi-Ogele in the corner with five seconds left for Jackie right now. Who would you take? You're well, Jackie's too. more
2: physical than,
0: than I had. No, you know, I not that is. range. Yeah.
1: Pointy she, elbows.
2: she would, she would, um, you know, I don't know if Daryl Morey would like her game, but she would, she would get in there and mix it up old school. Like, do you I, know that, do you know that a point I,
0: line kind of
1: game? Jackie and I played
2: against each other in a Celtic media game.
1: We did. I was like, who is this asshole? (laughs) Oh, no, because he was, he did what he should do. He was very aggressive, right? He's like, if she's going to (laughs) play, then she's going to play. And he was like coming down. And I was like, cause, and I was almost like, I should just take a charge on this guy just because we didn't know each other that well, but I have to say by the end, you were the best player on the floor, really, of all the media guys. I mean, I'm not counting scouts. Wow. This I don't know is, what.
0: What a day for you, Rusilo.
1: No, but he Yeah, does. Scal he was doesn't really... count. Scal doesn't no, count. No, he doesn't. And Scal was getting mad because Ryan was pulling up, with, you know, hitting a jumper here and there over him. And Scal's like, oh, wait a minute. I'm the pro. I got to show her. So Scal would come down and like knock over me and like Heather Walker, who's like the PR person for the... Well, by the way, is not bad? She, yeah, I thought he played, Heather's like, a good played. player. Yeah, yeah. she, she, she did. She did. But like Scal's going to like come at us? Like it was just ridiculous. I think it was So, anyway.
2: well, you're Jackie's leaving out the best part because people definitely were down on me after that game for one specific play. And I was just so honored to, I mean, look, I, whatever, it can sound cheesy, but to get to actually suit up there and run around
1: it was fun. on yeah. the
2: parquet is, is like something where you go, this is amazing. And, and you know, let's just yeah. let's put it this way. Not a ton was working out for me at that point in my life. So to get to run up and down inside where the Celtics were playing and because we had the rights of the, the radio station. So yeah, I took it a little too seriously and, Jackie had, uh, I think, an offensive rebound and a chance for a putback. And I think the game we were up to or it was tight. It was was a big. So I went after that thing like, I mean, Bismack Biombo in in the ACB league, like when he looked good and I spiked it pretty good and it was hard. And people on the baseline, I think a couple players were around and they're like, Jesus, dude,
1: (laughs) I didn't mind it. I didn't mind it because if I'm going to play, that's the deal, man. That's the The one I didn't like. The one I didn't like was when you came through the lane. I forget who was there. It wasn't me. It was some poor lame guy. I don't know. Some guy that didn't belong out there. And I'm like, don't do it to him. Like I could take it. Don't do it to him. I forget who it was.
2: Yeah, I didn't care. I didn't care. But the thing is, is then it ended up getting out on like no one was listening to our radio show back then anyway. And then we had you on because the the other guys were like, we heard that you blocked Jackie McMillan's shot. Of course, you know, Jackie's a legend. So it was partly that. And like, why are you why are you why are you messing with her? I know I got to clean up the swearing when Jackie's here, but I just was like, hey, the game. I was like, it was a huge possession. We were keeping score. It doesn't and bother me. I had, and so Jackie, came, and here's the thing, is it's, this is why Jackie's awesome, is that yeah. she came on because my co-hosts are like, we got to have her on. Like, what's wrong with you? People <laughs> were calling into the show, calling me like, just like, you're the worst, you're the worst. And Jackie comes on and goes, hey, we're wearing uniforms, the game counted as lame as that may sound and he wanted to make a defensive play she's like i would have had way bigger problem with him if he just let me score and i was like yeah i didn't even it didn't even cross my mind to let anybody score so i took it too seriously i was a loser back then no no you weren't
1: a loser you because you know what i just remember saying at the end of the game like you won the game for your team i'm like Yeah, good game like whatever it's all good you know guys before us and since us have done the same thing ryan everybody goes into that game and and some guys haven't played in a long time or some like you were playing three, four nights a week and were totally into it. And everybody... Like, I decided very early on, like, there is nothing to prove here. This is not the place to prove anything. You know, it's not a good idea.
2: <laughs> I was trying to get a 10-day out of it.
1: Yeah, because, you know, I remember Tony Maz played in one of those games. And I was kind of near the end. And Heather's like, please, we got to get someone. I'm like, I'm too old to be playing. I'm not playing regularly anymore. I don't want to get hurt. And Tony Maz came out there and he's running around. He tore his Achilles, like, on the third oh, play of the game. That's and the I was problem. Like,
2: if you don't, if I, you don't run around at all. Go ahead. Yeah and
1: I'm like I'm done. This is it. That was the last game I ever played in. Tony Mazz. thank you Tony. You saved me a torn Achilles.
0: Yeah, you got to be careful with that stuff.
1: That's why I got it. I felt like I got out in time.
0: Didn't yeah, have I'm expecting one terrible to tear an injury.
2: Achilles. I'm expecting to tear an Achilles. Are you still
1: playing? Ryan, how old how old are you?
2: 45. So I was so I was playing you. Yeah, until... I would wrap it up. Yeah. Don't. No, I'm
1: telling you. I'm telling you I played wrap too long. I had to have fusion surgery on my neck. If I could do it over, I would have stopped six years sooner. There's
2: no way I'm not. I, I expect to die out there. (laughs) It's like Rocky Balboa.
1: (laughs) Rock, don't go out for the 50th. It's not worth it. It's just not worth it. If I could do it over, I would stop a little bit sooner and not have what I, the the misery I had for three years, which is now over, thankfully, but still.
0: Well, this was an unexpected conclusion to our trade deadline podcast, (laughs) but I really had a good time. Uh, (laughs) Rosillo, it was a blast as always. Jackie, fantastic stuff. What, what's your next piece? Can you tell us yet or no?
1: Um, I don't, I'm not 100% sure. I'm bandying a couple things about. All right,
0: do, then don't spoil yeah. it then. Okay. Yeah,
1: not sure yet. I'll get Check back to you Check
0: out Jackie's guys. Jamal Murray piece, which I think went up last week. That was really good. I felt dumb about uh, saying they should have traded him for Harden. How
1: about Obviously, that Kobe, Kobe stuff? Wasn't that cool, Kobe? Yeah. That was cool. That was my favorite part. That's a, what we call a tease. If you want to know what I'm talking about, go read the piece because I'm not telling you.
0: All right. Check out Rosilla's podcast. Check out Jackie on all the ESPN platforms. And you can listen to the other three parts of this podcast as well. We put up four parts. This is part four. Thanks for listening. We'll see you not coming back until Monday on this podcast. So I'll see you on Monday.